0: Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list, Um, sort of, but not really, in this episode. A bit. How are you doing?
0: Yes, I'm... uh...
1: I'm well. Are you well? I'm <laughs> alright. Um, I've been running around today. Yes, some, I'm a bit tired, but uh mm. usually means we're going to have a very, very smooth episode. Uh,
0: that's right. No brain fog.
1: Yes, correct. As alluded to, today we're not discussing a game that's on the Metacritic Top 100 list, but we are discussing a nominated game from myself that... Um, I believe there's a conversation around as to whether it belongs on the list. And really that's what we're doing with these 15 games um, from each of us. Where we're kind of having a conversation about them. Where ultimately we we do or don't decide whether they deserve to be on the list. Um, So the game we're discussing today is The World is Not Enough. Released on the Nintendo 64 in the year 2000. And it was developed by Eurocom and published by EA Games. Now, the score at the time for The World is Not Enough um, was 81. So it scored quite highly, really, for the time Mm. um, as a meta score, an average score. And um, backgrounds to this game is that Eurocom had made some games for... um, the nintendo 64 and i think they'd they'd done another few games but they were a i believe a relatively new studio Um, they were working on an engine that they said would be scalable um for next gen this was all the way back in 1998 and um they were saying that it would function on the ps2 and the next uh, generation of consoles um but it would also scale back to the current generation of consoles This interested EA, and they gave them the green light to create The World Is Not Enough for the Nintendo 64. There is uh, another version of this game on the PlayStation, released by uh, Black Ops Entertainment. Um, You played that game before, am I right?
0: Yes, when I was but a little boy.
1: So in terms of um, other versions, there was also uh, a Dreamcast version planned. And um, was it was a Dreamcast or PS2. It was it was basically a more advanced version um, of this game that was planned and it was cancelled and it actually turned into Agent Under Fire, which was the following um, game that was being developed by what became EA Redwood, I think. Um, I remember not liking that game very much. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Agent Under Fire. I think it's one of the weaker. Um, EA releases of the Bond series. But then Nightfire came out and it was great. Yeah, I was going to say, EA had quite a good tenure, really, with the Bond series. And um, there there are some really good quality titles. And I will say, I, I think EA's tenure with the Bond series was, was better than Activision's tenure. Um, but yeah, so... Interesting game. Obviously, came off the back of Goldeneye. Came off the back of um, your favourite game, Tomorrow Never Dies, on the PS One. Great game. Um, <laughs> which I uh, watched some footage of before playing this, and I, I never want to play again. I've got the game, and I don't want to play it again.
0: That's because you you know how good that game is, and you just don't want to you know play it because then every other game that you play after that won't compare to how good Tomorrow Never Dies that's was. Correct. That's right. That I is Thought correct. so. Thought so.
1: All right, so now I'm going to give you a bit of a snippet as to what the critics thought at the time. A 100 from GamesRadar, which is a respectable site. Um, A great game, but it's never going to replace GoldenEye or Perfect Dark. Both games do things bigger and better and more often. So it's a bit of a a strange tagline for a 100 rating there.
0: (laughs) Yes, it's a a very middling review, I'd say.
1: Yeah, it describes it as a great game, but obviously from these taglines, you only get so much. Mm. Um, and a a 50 from by far the lowest score, nothing else came near to that low, um, from Daily Radar, um place I've never heard of. A passable shooter that will please Nintendo-owning fans of the genre, but it won't win any awards for originality, ingenuity or design. So yeah.
0: I think that's a fair review of it. I think I don't think it deserves a fifty, but I think that's a, that's a fair fair review of the game itself. I think.
1: I think we're, we're going to get into it anyway because yeah, yeah. Um, because there are as as I alluded to, there are certain things that this game did and does for the time. Let's remember, this is a game from the year two thousand and. Console shooters weren't as common as they uh, became. No, this was still a time where the PS One struggled with with first person shooters. This this the, is very the, much
0: in in the ilk of like the old Medal of Honor, like the early Medal of Honor games, yeah. isn't it? Like it's um, before they became a lot smoother. It is a very kind of early first person shooter that feels like it's a bit bit more further along the line than something like maybe Quake was but it wasn't quite like the the console first person shooters that became famous on like maybe the PS2 I'd say next
1: generation of games um the the PS2 GameCube and Xbox were where console shooters really came into their own and lots of games were doing it well with different styles yeah this was still a relatively early period for um the console shooters so um Goldeneye came out in 97. This was 3 years after that. But in the in that interim period, you had The World is Not Enough, which is not a first-person shooter, it's a third-person shooter and you had You mean um, Tomorrow Never Dies? Oh yeah, sorry, Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah, and you, and you've got the the PS1 and N64 World is Not Enough games. Yeah. You you do you you get more first-person shooters on the Nintendo 64. Um there was... The, the reason that I have read about that is because of the way that it... Because it was a the 64-bit console, the way that it handled 3D. Um, something to do... I, I don't know the technical terms for it. Or, um yeah. But it's, it's, it's to do with the way that it renders the 3D engine and it also explains why you get the texture warping on the PS1. Um, something like nearest neighbour something or other. Um, there are many technical videos out there that can explain that. Um, Okay. Do you have any history of this game?
0: Not the N64 one, no. I I mean, I I might have played it once or twice before, um, but nothing that I really remember. Like I say, I've got experience with the PlayStation version, because the PlayStation is the console that I had when I was younger, and I never really owned an N64 until I got a bit older. Um, So, yeah, it was never really a game that was going to be in my in my kind of sphere i suppose yeah um i did buy the physical copy of this game about a year and a half ago from one of my colleagues because he was in the process of selling a load of nintendo 64 games that he found in the attic and um the world is not enough was one of them so i um i took that off his hands for a a handsome fee, a pretty penny for a pretty penny, uh, and now I also advised him of the cost of some of the other games that he was selling because I think he was selling like um, Pokemon, Stadium, Pokemon 2, Stadium Two and yeah, I, I told him that he could get a lot more than what he was asking for on it. So I've owned it for a maybe a year and a half, two years perhaps, but this is the first time I've played through it. Um, whereas I feel that your experience with this game is going to be a little bit more extensive,
1: not as far back again as as you maybe think. Um, so, I bought this game in, I believe it was 2009, and I went through basically a period where I was buying and playing through all the Bond games, and this is where I first played the uh, Tomorrow Never Dies and 007 Racing, which is just horrific. Um, and the PS1, World Is Not Enough, and um, ran through Agent Under Fire, Nightfire, um Everything or Nothing from Russia with Love and the Activision titles as well. So, yeah, I I played it then. I played it after I played the PS1 version. It is, in terms of design, and that it is a superior game to the PS1 version. I think the PS1 version has um, maybe a a 71 or something or or maybe even lower than that, maybe in in the 60s in terms of Metacritic score. Um, I'm just going to check that now. 61, so actually a, a, a whopping difference in score there um, between the PS1 version and the N64 version. Um, so yeah, that's when I first played it. I have played um, a lot of... I think it's fair to say that I've got more of a history with the uh, N64 than you have. Yeah, big time. And I've played a lot of... Um, first person shooters on there so i kind of know what the competition was like now there are some that i would say are better perfect dark and there are some that i'd say are easily worse a lot that i'd say are easily worse actually mm. um so yeah i've completed this game probably five or six times now and i've completed it on agents all and the agents. Not all not all of them, funnily enough. I need to go through on Double O Agent, but I've never really properly started it on that. But um, right. this time I was messing around and I was um, unlocking some, some multiplayer stuff. Um, okay. Narrative. Now, the narrative follows the film, but do you want to give us just a brief uh, overview of the narrative?
0: Yeah, the like you say, the narrative follows the film pretty closely, but I think the game came out before the film did, didn't it? Or it was being... Uh, produced in tandem so there were alongside yeah Yeah, so there are a few bits that the game kind of deviates from uh but the story is that um there is a terrorist called renard who is in cahoots with a woman called electra king who is someone that he kidnapped um years earlier and M from mi6 helped negotiate her release but it turned out that um you find out during the story that Elektra developed Stockholm syndrome and fell in love with Renard, and um, she wants to take revenge on MI6 for not being quick enough to save for the first time, as well as um, a few other transgressions, and she's got a bit of a a bit of beef with M. So um, she she assists Renard, well she facilitates Renard in stealing a, um, I think it's a nuclear weapon, isn't it?
1: Yeah, the um, warhead.
0: Yes, and getting it onto a, a submarine, and it's Bond's job to go and save M as M gets kidnapped by Electra and go onto the submarine at the end game and, you know, stop a nuclear warhead being launched and killing the terrorist Renard.
1: Um, so I think who, it's the plutonium within the warhead, but yeah.
0: Yes, uh, and I would like to say that the character model for Renard uh, in this game and the character model for M look absolutely atrocious oh yeah they're not
1: they're not great I, um i do yeah, yeah. Some, some look better than others but yeah those two <laughs> the judy dench um, model looks
0: like a little goblin
1: and um yeah. the Renards. did you watch um did you watch uh the the bond youtubers video before uh recording by chance
0: what's that the the one that always wears the bow tie yes i did not know how come
1: because uh, he also mentions he also refers to her as looking like a goblin so ah, I wonder excellent. where you got that phrasing
0: yes she does look like a goblin um and then Renard who's played by Robert Carlyle in the uh, in the film he just looks like a weird bold monkey um in the game it's, Which it's a very bad film well yeah very very true um but yes the character model is uh, certainly something but that's that's an overview of the story quite basic but um yeah it's probably because yeah, you, you kind of have to line it up with the Bond films, don't you? And I think that the world is not enough is probably Piers Brosnan's second best Bond film. Yeah, I um, I think it is. Followed by Tomorrow Never Dies, and then Die Another Day being the worst, and obviously Gold. That's being the order the best. I would
1: also go with.
0: Yeah, I think Tomorrow Never Dies is a decent film, but I think the world is not enough. Kind of pips it to the post, but yeah, Gold it's a is a bit more still,
1: interesting. Yeah, um, you've got the female villain for the only time in the series. Um, yes, arguable between Electra and Renard, who is the villain. Mm. But, um, in a way, I think she fulfills that role more interestingly than Renard, because I don't think Renard is that great a character. Um, he's a bit forgettable really in, in the great pantheon of Bond he's, villains. Yeah. He's, he's now Alec
0: Trevelyan, is he?
1: No. Um, he he should have been a home run, but wasn't, which is just a bit of a shame, really.
0: Yeah, and to be fair, Robert Carlyle was a really, really good actor as well. Well, that, this is what I'm
1: saying. It should have been a home run. It should have, with yeah. with him in that role. Part part of the I I, I don't know. I think um, there are lots of reasons probably why, but I think the character on paper sounds good, but probably could have done with a bit more writing. Um,
0: I think I think that's the case for most of Brosnan's films after GoldenEye. I think GoldenEye is the best written one and is the best story. Yeah. Um, and from there, Had the most time of, spent on it. Yeah, and they they seem to kind of deteriorate in quality as it goes on. Obviously, you said you kind of swap. Tomorrow never dies in the world is not enough around a bit. Yeah. But I mean, Die Another Day is just dire. I'm I'm
1: actually rewatching. watching I'm, I'm in the process of rewatching Die Another Day. I'm near the end now. Oh, um that's a bad and it 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 starts off kind of okay um and there's promise of a maybe a good film and then it starts introducing ice palaces um invisible Aston funny, Martins laser party scenes invisible Aston Martins um the sun laser thing mm-hmm. um uh, Bond like surfing. skiing on
0: yeah, windsurfing yeah. on a tsunami or something, it's ridiculous. It's a bad film.
1: It goes so fast off the rails, it's uh-huh. just um <laughs> you just think they were just throwing things at the wall by this point and it, and it, it does really clumsy references to all the old films and it, it's just not great. No, it's not. Um, H-
0: hence, needing a uh, a series reboot with uh, Casino Royale. And at the time, I was,
1: I was. I mean, I think you were too. Um, a big um, Pierce Brosnan fan, and I thought it was yeah. a bit of a travesty that he was ousted. But when I rewatched that film now, <laughs> I just kind of say, I get it. I yeah, get it. He,
0: he was getting a bit old for the role, wasn't he? He was getting he a was... bit long
1: in the tooth. Um, yeah, he didn't didn't look like he did um, when he did GoldenEye.
0: No, it's it's a shame because, um, yeah, Brosnan's my favourite Bond, but I think that he had the least to work with in terms of the quality of his films. Stories, yeah. As well as when he kind of got the parts and, and could take the part originally. I think he was obviously a bit older than... He ideally would have been
1: to Starks, obviously
0: he, um, yeah, forties. He, he was. Yeah, he was supposed to take it when Timothy Dalton
1: got the role, wasn't he? For, um, well, he he was well, he. Mm, there, there were there were contract uh, issues we with Remington Steel. Yeah, right? there were there were contract issues with both of them. So originally it was Dalton, then it was Brosnan, then it was Dalton again. Mm. Um, and Dalton was, I think we discussed this in the Golden Eye episode. Beyond, he was beyond his years. He was he was contacted to do Bond all the way back, um, when George Lazenby on did Her his film. Secret Service. Yeah, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. He was uh he was first contacted to do Bond then and he said he felt he was too young. So, um they were both on the producer's radar for many, many years and that's kind of the the way it worked out and I I, I don't I don't feel bad about Brosnan's tenure because he got Goldeneye, so Yeah. He could have had Nothing. Which mm. he did have Goldeneye. Yeah. And I think
0: Which is arguably that... one of the best films in the series.
1: Yeah, one of the best films which had the accompanying game and mm-hmm. both film and game have uh, kind of risen to a status of legend, haven't yes, they? Quite. They have indeed. Um Okay, so what do you do in this game?
0: It's a first person shooter gadget little bit platformy linear level progression-esque game it's effectively you've got two or three tasks at the start of every mission you get a briefing and then you've got to go and do them uh, and the, 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 the tasks and the goals can be a little bit broad in terms of you know what, what it is you're expected to do um, as was the case in uh, in GoldenEye that if you fail an objective you can continue with the mission it's just that when you get to the end you'll fail um, yeah but yeah. It he, does
1: sometimes kick you out. Um some, some objectives it doesn't like you failing and it will kick you out, and then other times it lets you carry on. Mm. I don't really know what the um the logic behind that is, but No. So in terms of the first person shooter nature of this game, what fundamentally um do you think Goldeneye does differently to The World Is Not Enough? Um I think that The World Is Not Enough has kind of
0: progressed a little bit in terms of you know first person aiming in particular um and having a reticle um on like a few things like the gadgets etc and, and a red dot sight here and there but overall i don't think it's changed that much you've still got like the the assisted aim on a lot of the weapons which you have in golden Eye. so it, it feels similar but different like it's progressed slightly but not yeah. a huge amount Um, is is what i'd say
1: and what about structurally in terms of the way that the missions are set up i know you mentioned um the objectives given at the beginning but Mm. it does do a few things different with that and uh just wanted to see if you picked up on it um i mean a lot of the levels are quite linear whereas others
0: are, are are quite open whereas i felt that with i mean to be fair it's probably the same with goldeneye as well when you think of missions like the silo um, and the caves, etc. They're they're quite linear as well. So I, I I don't know what 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 um what were you gonna what were you gonna
1: I say? I think Goldeneye has more um of the open missions than yeah. the world is not enough. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think I think they probably switch. So um in Goldeneye it's probably seventy thirty in favor of the more open missions, whereas in the world is not enough it's probably 70-30 in in, in favor of the linear missions. Yeah. Um what you get more in the world is not enough really um quite forward thinking in a way because it's what we would come to see in um i'm I'm not sure when half-life came out, half-life I think came out before this 98. But you get those script yeah so you get those scripted moments in half-life and you get scripted moments here and uh, so within levels there'll be um for example um the MI6 building and you're uh, running through that, and at various points there will be set pieces that will happen. Maybe not in the Call of Duty esque um, way that you get set pieces, but there will be certain things that happen at certain times, certain explosions. Yeah. And it's kind of a bit of a forward thinking, borrowing quite a lot from Half Life sort of way of doing things, and not found in GoldenEye. You also get on the fly objectives, whereas in GoldenEye you get your objectives at the beginning and um, yeah, sometimes kind of like... they reveal uh, what's going to happen in the mission because you get your objectives at mm-hmm. the beginning. Whereas yeah. in the world is not enough. You could get one objective and then um, three minutes later you'll get another objective.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, it, it, it's just slightly different in terms of the structure. And uh, I think that is owed to probably half life and what, some other popular games were doing at the time yeah um but as you say the developers of this game clearly played a lot of golden eye and golden eye was a, a real point of reference um, when creating this game um okay is onto our ever present feature gameplay is king is the world is not enough fun to play
0: yeah i'd say it's um i don't think it's the most fun Bond game I've ever played, but I think it's all right. Um, I'd say... I mean, we won't do comparisons yet to Goldeneye um, because it is very hard to not compare this game to Goldeneye because they are very similar. Um, But yeah, overall, I'd say it's quite fun. There are frustrating levels and frustrating bits, but on the whole, I'd say yes. What do you think?
1: I think it's fun to play. So do you know what Eurocom went on to develop after... The World is Not Enough, which which Bond game?
0: Mm, Road, the, the racing one?
1: No, so the game that they developed went straight into developing after The World is Not Enough N64 was Nightfire. Oh, okay. And this game, a lot of uh, what you see in Nightfire started here. And uh, you've got the uh, level called Night Watch, I think it is. Yeah. And you've got the the level in uh, Nightfire called Night Watch, and some of that stuff started here. I, th- I think it's fun to play, and I think it's due to the the length of the levels. They're quite a lot longer than the PS1 counterpart, but they're still quite snappy. Yeah. So you you can um, you can do a run through. You could speed run it. You can unlock things. You can then play the multiplayer. I think. This is where, as you said, it's hard not to compare this to GoldenEye.
0: Yeah, very difficult.
1: I think GoldenEye does one thing better than this game, and it's quite a key thing. Um, but I also think this game does a fair few things better than GoldenEye. But the key thing that I think GoldenEye has over this game is the feel of the gunplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned the juggling when we did the golden eye episode and I keep coming back to this idea of juggling enemies and it's something that is in gold It's something that's in perfect dark. It's something that's in the times Blitzes games. Um, so you'll shoot an enemy and you'll stagger them and then you, you can shoot another enemy, stagger them and go back to the first yeah. enemy. And I really enjoy that, that kind of, um, gunplay. Actually, the world is not enough does try to replicate that, but it doesn't to me feel like it does as good a job. No, it doesn't. Um, that being said, I think it feels punchy to play. It feels quite fluid. It's, it's, it's known as um, one of the smoothest, if not the smoothest, first-person shooters on the N64 in terms of how it runs um, and performance. Um, whereas, as we know, GoldenEye and Perfect Dark really chugged at times. Um so this is a much smoother game to play through many scenarios. Did you um, did you put the high detail mode on by chance? No,
0: I, I didn't realise that you could do that until after I finished. Well, not after I finished, until about yesterday, because I finished it today. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't realise that until looking some stuff up afterwards. Because uh, it's in the options menu, isn't it? Before you actually start the game. Well, not before you start the game, but in the main menu.
1: Yeah, so there's a high detail mode that requires the expansion pack, mm-hmm. and it has a a slight impact on performance. But yeah, generally speaking, this game runs very fluidly, and it's it it is fun to play. It's not, as I say, GoldenEye levels of fun with that juggling system. No. But yeah, it's it's a good time. Um, do you have a favourite move?
0: Uh, I I wouldn't say move. I, I've got a favourite gun, if that counts. Okay. Um... I think is it called the the, the raptor? It's like a, a desert eagle kind of, uh, like the, sil- yeah, the silver pistol. sort of. Pistol. This game's Magnum, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit like a Magnum. So either that or the pump action shotgun. I think the shooting on this game is quite satisfying. Um, I, I quite like using the watch as well. Um, the grapple was a little bit slow in, in points, but the stun gun is also quite a cool little um, little addition as well. So I'd, I'd say the shooting though overall. What about you?
1: One thing that I always did not like about Goldeneye. That was the slap chop thing. Yeah, the karate you... chop. Yeah, and you had the famous mode called slappers only. Um, and in this game, they wisely replace it with punch. a punch combo. Yeah. And you don't get many chances to use it. But punching people in this game is really satisfying. Um, you get these like comic book thwacks with it. And yeah, it's just a lot of fun in terms of guns. Um, one of the unique guns that I really quite like and it just is a nice addition is the crossbow that you yep. get to use, uh, in the airfield level. Yep. I think that's a cool weapon to use and you can zoom in and yeah. And based on how far you are away from your enemy, um, the, the, the bolt will, um, curve downwards. So you've got to use a bit of strategy as well. Um, Okay. I've got a section called uh, "The World Is Not Enough." Does what Goldeneye don'ts. Um, nice. So, can you think of anything that uh, that The World Is Not Enough does that uh, you couldn't do in Goldeneye, or that was improved in The World Is Not Enough? Jump. Yep, that's um, one of on my list. That,
0: that's probably the the biggest one I'd say. Um, actually, use a like a. Like I said, the first-person reticule prop- properly—it is in GoldenEye, but it's kind of been uh, not perfected, but improved here. Voice acting,
1: yeah, another big one. Um, although some especially of especially is... for the N64,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. In comparison to the uh, PlayStation, there aren't you know a huge amount of games that have full voice acting on the N64. Um, so, so this that, that game out. uses
1: a 32 megabyte um, cartridge, which was. The biggest were the 64 megabyte cartridges, but the 32 megabyte ones weren't that common either. Um, so yeah, this game took up a lot of space, and I think it's mainly due to that compressed voice acting.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, some of the voice acting is dire. Um, I think from, from from looking at it and watching a couple of videos, um, they they got um, mostly. Well, no, it was all pretty much voice actors to do the voices, except for. Um, John Cleese. John Cleese, because John Cleese does everything, but the um, the voice actor that did Electra was particularly bad. Um, and I know that I think Sophie Marceau, she, the actress that plays um, Electra in the film, I think she's she's actually French, isn't she? I mean, I'm, yes, I'm assuming so is. with a surname like Marceau. Um, but the, the voice actor in this game that is Electra is really bad. Um, but yeah, voice acting. Um, the voice
1: acting is equally slash possibly more terrible in the ps one version as well
0: excellent good to know that at least it's consistent
1: um, go and listen to um go and go and listen to Valentin on the uh, ps1 version I think you'll love it
0: it's probably very bad and probably quite racist I imagine uh, <laughs> as, to, as to what someone from 1999 or 2000 thought a Russian man should sound like um those are the two that stick out to me, um, so I'm not sure what else you've got on your list.
1: Um, first one, reload animations. Yeah. So do you remember how GoldenEye did reloads?
0: It You just kind of put the gun down for a second out of the screen and then came back and it was reloaded, right?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, this game has four reload animations yeah, for putting every single weapon. a magazine in
0: a gun or whatever in this this game, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's, it, they're really quite nice. Yeah. Um, particularly one thing that i like is with the shotgun you manually reload one shell at a time so up to i think 7 or 8 shells and i'm surprised i've not seen that in in other games it it seems like um just something that that games would do to make you feel a bit more in control of uh, your reload so you could if you wanted you could put three shells in there um because you've only got three enemies to take out yeah um Yeah, it's just a nice little touch, and and having those reload animations, again, yeah, nowadays it's not a big thing, but for the time, that was considered a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you know that this game has disarms?
0: No, only with the stun gun, not the stun gun, the stun watch, right?
1: So if you go up behind someone, um, you can get them to uh, put their hands in the air and drop the gun. Um, And then pick up their gun. And I didn't realise until I accidentally did this uh, a few years ago. And I thought, that's very cool. cool." And again, ahead of its time, really, in Mm. terms of forward thinking. Um, It also has different vision modes. So you've got night night, vision and x-ray vision vision in there.
0: Yeah, x-ray so you can see through walls and stuff.
1: Which is, again, by 2023 standards... Not 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 that impressive, but for the time. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, uh, you've also got alternate fire for every single gun. Um yep. so you've got the normal fire for, for all of them, you've got alternative fire. Yep. Which again just includes your it increases your options for using um all the guns. Yeah. Um as you said, you've got jumping, um, which was quite a big addition but for sure. As to whether it's Um, A good thing or not, I mean, some people don't like jumping in their first person shooters. Some people do. Um, I don't think it really um, has a bad impact here. I think it's a decent enough addition. Um, You have a rail shooting level, which, again, wasn't the done thing for a a first person shooter at the time. So you've got the the level where you're on skis. That's
0: a bad level.
1: It's not a great level, um, but I can see what they were going for. They were, they were trying to uh, emulate, without actually having you ski, um, that mission. And you do have a bit of control where you can move, you can strafe left and right, and you can, you can um, alter your speed. But yeah, a lot of people say that's the weakest mission in the game. Mm. Yeah. Um, you also get civilian areas. So there are a few missions where, um, for example, the bank, the first mission... You've got that first area, which is a civilian area. You've got Masquerade, which is the mission where you're at the nuclear sites yeah. and the whole beginning of the Walking level is a civilian your area. And that's something that I always loved about the Bond films, that I, I thought that the games didn't really catch on to that until it felt like a bit later and it was something that was that was missing in Goldeneye. You had civilians running around... Um, but they always felt like they were in hostile areas. And there's one thing that I, I would say GoldenEye, I don't know, it, it misses from the Bond films. And, and that is that it's purely a first-person shooter yes. from start to finish. It's a first-person shooter and it doesn't really acknowledge those other things that Bond does. And I think um, some of the other Bond games do a better job of acknowledging those things. I think, things, I think that's why
0: I liked Tomorrow Never Dies, even though it is primarily a shooter. There's just something... like I, I like Nightfire, and obviously I love Goldeneye, but there's just something about Bond that I just don't want it to be a first-person shooter because it just makes it yeah. feel like it's a military game or something, you know what I mean? Which
1: is why yeah, I get I'm, that. I'm I get looking that.
0: forward to Square Enix doing a Bond game, because I'm hoping it's going to be in a similar vein to the Hitman games, um, I imagine it's going to be obviously a bit different, and they'll, you know it, it won't be Hitman, but with a Bond skin. But I really don't want to play another first-person shooter James Bond game.
1: It's nice to see Bond's face, isn't it? And yeah, there, there have been a few from with person love person Bonds. Yeah, from Russia with love, uh, Everything or Nothing. I think. Um... I think Bloodstone was third Bloodstone, person as well. And I think Quantum of Solace as well. was Quantum of Solace PS2 was third mm. person, but Quantum of Solace um, for the next-gen consoles, PS3 and 360, was a first-person shooter. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's interesting. Interesting topic. Um, you also have... They took something that Goldeneye did very well, um, but I think they improved it here. And that is um, death animations, but also they included contextual death animations. What I mean by that is... People falling if off you shoot... balconies and stuff. Yeah, exactly. If you shoot a guard on the stairs, they will roll down the stairs. Mm-hmm. If you shoot a guard on a the balcony, they'll fall off the balcony. Again, I don't... I, I could be wrong. Of course I could be wrong. Um, I don't remember seeing this in any game earlier than this. So um, it's quite a nice touch to see it here. And I think those animations though not hyper-realistic. They look pretty good for the time, and it's quite nice to see. Um, It's quite amusing at times. And, yeah, it's just a nice touch. Um, Another thing that you get is quite a big thing, really. Something that the game hides until the last couple of levels. The fact that you can actually swim in this game.
0: Yeah. Um, Which, yeah, it's a new addition. And doing the... um doing the last mission today um, is quite frustrating because the last mission you're you're in um, the submarine that's kind of been tops uh, like uh, sunk yeah and it's flooding and it's there's submerged. a lot of swimming and it's like a maze uh, and your o2 meter goes down relatively quickly um, but it is cool that swimmings in this game um, which it, yeah. it, it would have to because so much of the the, the end of the film uh, is bond swimming through the when you say the that anyway. Well, not so much of it, but you know, it's a big element of the last bit of the film with him and when Christmas Jones. Well, the PS One
1: game features no water, no swimming. Well,
0: that's because the PS One game is not very good.
1: <laughs> so w- when I when I got to this when I first played this game in 2009, I thought, oh, they're going to cop out and they're going to do a, a dry level, and it's just going to be flat." Um, so I was quite impressed, really, that they, they did their best to recreate. And yes, the Nintendo 64 controller doesn't work that well with uh, all the different directions you can move when you swim. But I appreciated the touch of... uh, The addition. Trying something new. Yeah, exactly. And it's a feature that they hide until the first level that you can actually encounter swimming is um, Fallen Angel because you can jump into the bay outside the lighthouse. Yeah. And then um, you can also, in the submarine level, if you want to bypass the guards without doing stealth you can just go off to the high. left jump straight into the water climb onto the submarine yeah. and climb in which i think is quite cool um yeah so that was my list just a, a few of the things that and don't get me wrong Goldeneye also does some things that um this game doesn't as well so it's just just for comparison's sake really yeah um do you have any favorite most impressive levels for you
0: um i like i'm not is it is the level night watch where you're uh, sneaking around the yeah. Electra's house. I think that's a good I level. I think that's brilliant. Um yeah. that's a good level. I like um the, the London Underground. Yeah, um, I like that. And I, I don't think I remember that being in the film. I've not watched the film for probably about No, that, that was
1: a creative license.
0: It um it it was very reminiscent of um Skyfall. Yes. Um where 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 obviously Bond's chasing uh What's his name? Javier Bardem's character. Um, yeah, yeah, those two. Silver st- Yeah, that's it. Silver. Those two stick out, and I think uh, Fallen Angel in the Towers, all right as well. Um, and I mean, the 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 standout ones in terms of the ones that I died the most on were the the City of
1: Walkways. Is it or Dislike? Dislike yeah. the most.
0: Dislike is the, the the Caviar Factory. Um, yes, city of
1: walkways one and two. They are they're, they're also probably my least favorite levels. Yeah. To be
0: honest, it, it just feels like the difficulty spike goes up by tenfold, and it feels. And they're not unfair. that interesting.
1: I, I like I like the uh, the the blade choppers. I think mm-hmm. they're cool to see. Different, but yeah, but at the same time, they're not the most entertaining levels. Um, no, and, and and to be fair,
0: in the film, that's one of my favorite parts because I, I funnily enough. When I was a kid when I first saw these films, so mid two thousands, I was I was a bit obsessed with Bond. Not not in the same way that you are, I don't think. But I had a real real thing for the Brosnan films.
1: Well, your favourite franchise is, is probably Star Wars, yeah. whereas I'd say that mine is Bond.
0: Yeah. Um, but I was obsessed with the cars. Um I, I was I, I had um there was there was like a there was like a little like hobby shop in worcester when i was growing up and they had like models of the bond cars in there that you could um they're effectively toy cars and like you could press certain buttons so like i had the z3 from Goldeneye, and you pressed a button and it shot torpedoes out of the um the 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 (laughs) The headlights um i think i had i had lotus esprit as well because the lotus esprit is probably my favorite bond car uh but i also had the z8
1: spy who loved me
0: yes Um, And then, yeah, I had the BMW Z8 as well, um, which is from The World Is Not Enough, and that's probably one of my favourite bits in the film, when he's using the Z8 to try and take down the choppers, and it just gets cut in half. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Depressing to see, but um, I I always, when I'm driving, I I drive around a lot for for work, for people that don't know me that listen to the podcast, I do quite a bit of driving, and um, I always always raise an eyebrow when I see a BMW Z3 or a Z8 around I've never seen a lotus Esprit out in the wild I'd you know very rare I've um, never seen
1: an Aston Martin full stop let alone an Aston Martin I, DB5.
0: I I see quite a lot of Aston Martins I probably see one a week um and I have wow. seen one or two DB5s outs and about um and I, I tell a lie when I say the Esprit is my favourite Bond car. It would be the DB five, and the DB five probably be. Yeah, I love the DB five. If, if money was no object, I would buy a DB five. Uh, I tell a
1: lie as well because I went to the Bond exhibit um, when it was on in London, mm. and I saw had all the cars. Bond cars, yeah, yeah, had all the cars. They had a lot of other gadgets as well. It was very, very cool um, exhibit. Um, so my favourite level was probably. I'd agree with you on Night Watch. It it's a bit different it's a bit slower paced than the other yeah. levels and and what you can do in that game again a nod to um nightfire is you can trank the guards using your dart yeah. gun or your dart watch and you can punch them when they're on the floor to knock them, them out and get rid of them yeah yeah and which you could do in, in Nightwatch on in in nightfire so i i played nightfire before i played this so yeah that was quite a nice nod even though that game came out afterwards yeah um I like Fallen Angel because uh that is the level that I think is re- again playing playing the PS1 game beforehand that's the level that I think they did a really good job of creating recreating from the film it's in terms of the layout and the rooms it's basically almost exactly like it is in the film um And the fact that you can go outside the lighthouse as well and do a bit of swimming and it just feels, um, it wasn't really a thing. And Goldeneye did do okay with this, which is recreating the areas from um, the films. It did better with certain levels than others, um, Goldeneye did. But I feel like when it gets it right in the world is not enough. It gets it really right and they had... um, Production images, they had layouts, they had all the stuff from the films to work with. Which, um, I'm not sure if they did for Goldeneye. So um, I think they probably did, but um, they shared them with them during production. Um, so that level, I think, is really quite impressive. And um, I really like the courier mission, which is the bank. Yeah, the first mission. I think it's a good proof of concept for what the game is, and actually how it will or won't differ from Goldeneye. Um so the first part of that mission you're not really shooting anyone you're certainly not running and gunning around a dam um you you're talking to people and you're you're going into a safety deposit box yeah. and you're meeting people and it's a bit it's it's quite bondian and um and then you get to the shooting parts one of the things that this game does uh borrows from goldeneye which really is missing from a lot of the other bond games is they have additional objectives um when you increase the difficulties so one of the reviews that i read of this game said this game should only be played on double o agent because you've got the most objectives um you've got the challenging enemies and it really um is a an interesting challenge and i've played secret agent there are more um objectives there and i've played uh, a couple of levels on double o agent um but yeah it's it's just a nice touch again to see It's, it's that thing from goldeneye which it's shocking, really, that you don't see replicated all over the place, because difficulty so often comes down to increased health for the enemies, yeah, yeah, yeah. decreased health for you. Um, but Goldeneye did it really well, mm-hmm. and yeah, they do it—they do it well here too. Um, levels, at least, like like I say, City of Walkways one and two um, are a bit tedious for yeah. me. Did you uh, get a chance to dabble with the multiplayer at all? No, not at all. Or do you know anything about the multiplayer?
0: Not really. I'm. Um, I, I say not really. I don't really know anything about the multiplayer. I'm. I'm, I'm guessing that it's kind of like an improvement or a, a bit of a nod to to GoldenEye, because um, obviously that is one of the most famous multiplayer games of all time. Um,
1: but I might be wrong. It's definitely in the same vein. Um, this was another big difference between the PS One game and the N sixty four game. They didn't have multiplayer in the PS One game, whereas in the N sixty four you've got yeah. four player. Um, split screen multiplayer there are some differences as well so they actually inc- they included bots here um, which is a nice touch I ran through all the levels with bots I'm ready for this discussion today and one of well a few other things I like you've got a, a very good suite of characters to choose choose from you've got Scaramanga you've got Oddjob you've got Jaws you've yep. got uh, Mayday you've got um,
0: Baron Samadhi
1: Alec Trevelyan, Baron Samedy, um obviously you've got Renard, you've got Waylon from um, Tomorrow Never Dies. There's just, yeah, a very big roster of characters and even more so than Goldeneye. And each character is different. Each character has a different amount of health. Obviously, you've got the physical attributes. You've got Jaws and um, Baron Samadie being taller than everyone else. Yeah. Oddjob being shorter. Some behave like Tank's. I was I was messing around with Valentin, and he, whereas uh, so I had Bullion and I had Valentin um, as bots when I was playing. Bullion wouldn't stop strafing, so I couldn't get a shot in on him, and um, Valentin literally took, would come towards me like the Terminator. Yeah, he just would come towards me like the Terminator with a shotgun all the time, and <laughs> it, yeah, it was quite it was quite funny seeing the different behaviours that they'd obviously yeah. programmed into this game. That's cool. Um, One of the other things is they've they've got they were smart with the levels, so they did the similar thing that Goldeneye did, which was take the levels from um, some of the levels from the single player game and condense them and make them multiplayer friendly. Um, They did that here with some of them, but they also gave you quite a few levels that are just original. Um, So in this game, you've got the I can't remember what it's called, but you you know in the film. You've got that one scene where um, Renard has um, has Davidov and Doctor um, Arkov, and he gives them the the burning stone yes. and places yeah, it. Yeah. Into, so that those caves with all the fire around, that is a, a level in the multiplayer mode, which obviously is completely unique. It's not in the single player. I don't know if it was originally planned, but Bond never goes there, so it probably wasn't. It's probably just an addition. For the multiplayer. Um, You also get the scene. The cutscene in um, Scotland. In the uh, Scottish castle. That's a playable uh, multiplayer map. Right. You've got Volcano um, Base. Which is an homage to You Only Live Twice. The famous Volcano Base from that game. You've got um, like a hedge maze. Which is a nod to From Russia With Love. Um, So yeah, you've got a real quite a good selection of um multiplayer maps here as well you've also got one again possibly uh nods to nightfire which is a level where you've got a cable car overhead um two sides and it's in the snow and obviously there's that famous yeah, yeah, level, yeah, like Nightfire, across it. the chasm with the cable cars yeah. so that was that was cool as well um so multiplayer was very positively received at the time i think um People said it wasn't quite as good as Perfect Dark, but it was a very fun and entertaining multiplayer game yeah. and ran more smoothly than both GoldenEye and I am Perfect Dark. I just wish, having messed around with it quite a lot over the last couple of days, I wish I played it at the time. I wish I had those memories, but yeah. um, I don't because um, I think it would have been a real blast to play at the time. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch on the multiplayer a bit. Um, in terms of the visuals, anything else you want to say about the visuals?
0: Not really, I, I, think, I, I think GoldenEye has, because it's a bit older, and not by only by three years, but because it's a bit older, I feel that GoldenEye gets away with it more, because it doesn't try to make it look too realistic,
1: whereas... It's so iconic as well, I yeah. mean, anyone can tell a screenshot of GoldenEye, mm. can't they, any gamer?
0: Yeah, and it looks a bit more cartoony, it looks a bit more gamey, whereas The World Is Not Enough, they try to go for a bit more realism, and I think that it hasn't aged as well as GoldenEye has because of that fact. Um, but I mean, it 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 looks like an N sixty four game.
1: Um, yeah. It's what I yeah, would let's say. Let's not pretend it looks like a a, a GameCube or no. a, an Xbox game.
0: No, it 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 doesn't it doesn't look horrendous. It just looks like a Nintendo sixty four game from two thousand. You know, um, it doesn't really stand out as anything. I don't think.
1: Yeah, uh, it's an old game, and when you look at N64 games, it really is one of the better-looking ones, but Mm. yeah, I get what you're saying. It's an N64 game, and that console hasn't necessarily aged well in terms of visuals. No. Um, And I would say neither has the PS1. I think that that entire generation hasn't aged particularly well. I think the Dreamcast aged better than both of them. Um, But yeah, yeah. I will say, yeah, some of the things that it does, which again, like I say, that the, the frame rate, I really appreciate here. We mentioned the voice acting, but I like in the PS1 version, they just take movie snippets and they, they kind of paste them between the levels. And then you go on to the next level um, after having watched a movie snippet. Yeah, Here they, they do their best to recreate the scenes in game using in game engine and animating. And like I say, you get those cameos from the Scottish castle. And it's just, um, it's just a bit of detail that they could very very easily have just done a golden eye on and put them all in the briefings and leave it at that. And I thought it was an effort to tell the story from the film in a bit of a different way. So I appreciated that. Yeah, um, Draw distances are vastly improved over golden eye. Still not um,
0: ideal, particularly on that um, uh, City of Walkways mission.
1: Yeah, so uh, wait, it's still not perfect. No, better. But what, some of the ones, like like I say, uh, Fallen Angel, I think that one, the, the draw distance there, when you go outside and you look up at the lighthouse, mm. you can see pretty far. Um, but some levels, yeah, you can't see as well. I, I find that the mission where it's worst, just because it's such a huge level, but at the same time, it's still pretty impressive, is... Um, the airfield right that level was massive and uh, you can see across the runway but yeah you can't necessarily make out enemies across the runway
0: no and and to be um, fair fog was a problem up until the ps3 era really wasn't it i mean you look at san andreas true um and the the problems that they had in removing the fog from that game with the with the, oh, yeah. the ultimate trilogy and you realize how small the map actually was um, yeah, so so it, it is a help in, in building atmosphere I think in some elements
1: so one of the other well two of the other things that they, they had dynamic lighting here um, so you have explosions that light up the environment and they also had um, particle effects so again the explosions and the fog and again sounds like things that aren't that impressive 23 years later but this was really seen to push the N64 to its limits at the time. It was an engine that was scaled down for the game. Yeah. And I know that Eurocom said they were very proud of the work that they did on this game in terms of the way it looked because it they really did push that system. Um, how about the audio of this game? Apart from the, the voice work which um, we've already
0: discussed. I, I didn't really like the music. I, I feel that they use the same music in quite a lot of missions. Um, they do. And it got quite tiresome. It didn't feel very Bond-esque. And again, comparison being the problem here, when you've got so many iconic pieces of music from GoldenEye.
1: Yeah, it doesn't come close to GoldenEye.
0: Nowhere near. Uh, But yeah, I I thought the music was a bit cack, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. Nothing memorable and was just a bit... I like
1: some of the pieces. That, That Mission Nightwatch, I think that's got a very nice subtle score which um includes different instrumentation and yeah it's a bit different and suits the mission well but yeah there's there's not many that many standout no, pieces
0: to definitely make. not
1: i quite like the main theme as well i think they, they did um a nice job of including the the world is not enough theme but putting a spin on it but yeah they do repeat music a lot, yeah, a lot. um okay on to our question of the week So, uh, I vaguely remember what we asked last time. I think we asked what what we'd like to see in a Bond game in future um, for the GoldenEye episode. So, what I said uh, this time is, pick three Bond films that you would like to see in game form or that you think would suit being in game form. Mm. Skyfall, I think would be a good game. and why Skyfall?
0: Um, just because of the locations I think the locations in that film are are really really good you'd have some very good set pieces as well so I'd probably say uh, Skyfall, Skyfall
1: I think that's a good one
0: Um, maybe again I'm not I'm not big on the Bond films anymore and I've not seen a lot of them for a very long time maybe Living Daylights no not Living Daylights uh, Live and Let Die sorry um I think Living Let Die could be interesting again because of the location.
1: Yeah. And Roger Moore. hmm And Solitaire. Yes. And then And Baron Samadi.
0: I would probably flip a coin between um The Man with the Golden Gun or the I, I can never remember the difference between the two uh the two Timothy Dalton films, but the one where he's with the cellist from uh vienna that and it ends up in afghanistan daylights. yeah living daylights i thought i think that would probably work quite well um that would be a good one and that, one that's well. that's a great film as well um
1: both both i think both the timothy dalton films are great yeah I think they've aged wonderfully
0: yeah they're, they're very um they're very 80s but they they, are. they work very well um but yeah, those would be my choices. They're
1: very 80s in terms of the visuals mm-hmm. and the stylings, but in terms of um feeling contemporary, yes, in terms of what we expect from a modern film, they've, they are right there. They've aged better
0: today. than, you know, 80s films like Scarface. Uh we say yeah, that that definitely. um that is married to the 80s. But yeah, those are, those are my selections. What about you?
1: Um so I would pick probably On Her the um, Secret Service. So, I had I have to put a caveat here, which is that 007 Legends brutalized and butchered a few of these uh, Bond films. 007 it's... Legends,
0: i.e., your favorite game.
1: So Eurocom, these are these are the Bond games that Eurocom, um, who created this game, developed. They created um, the world is not enough. N sixty four. They did Nightfire. They did Quantum of Solace. Pierce two. They did. GoldenEye Reloaded, and they did 007 Legends. Oh, How they got to 007 Legends, I don't know. What, 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 um, what it's a, a shame!
0: What, what a shame to end your uh, your prime on 007 Legends.
1: Although, and then and, not, and just to, just as a real kick in the teeth, they went out of business after 007 Legends came out.
0: I'm surprised about that because I, I believe that you bought all the copies, didn't you? Um, with it being, I actually. Did, game.
1: I, I think we talked. We talked about this last time. I didn't own a copy. I borrowed it from you, you did. because I refused to buy it after the atrocious reviews. Yes, and then you and it butchering at several of my favorite Bond films.
0: And then you realized that it was in fact your favorite Bond game, and uh, you've never looked back.
1: And I've put myself through torture by replaying it, and it's still just as bad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: So my my uh, my choices of films would be um probably uh The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. Which is Do you remember that one?
0: Yeah, it's one of my favorite. But it's um that's my favorite Bond theme. Uh my my favorite intro song. Cardi Simons. Mhm. Great song.
1: Yes. So that film um obviously had jaws and is considered to be Roger Moore's best film. Yeah where they go all over the place and they go to Egypt. And I just think there's a lot of missions in that game. Oh, sorry, in that film that would make very good game missions. And uh, you've got a lot of uh, good selection of baddies in that game as well. And a great car. Uh, Yeah, you've got the car, you've got the underwater driving section, which Mm. sounds weird when you say it aloud. Um, So the second film I would pick probably... Is um, a Connery film? It wouldn't be um, Goldfinger. Goldfinger. Only because because Gold it wouldn't be Goldfinger. Just because um, I told you a couple of years ago that I played. There's a mod of Goldeneye, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is Goldfinger, and I thought they did a really good job with that. So I I'd think leave that be.
0: You're going to say Thunderball?
1: No, I'm not.
0: Uh, I can't think of any I'm other not, Connery um, films off the top of my head other than Doctor No. And oh, no, I know like, you only did like, it
1: twice. Like, that's the one I'm going for. Right. So, what do you remember about your only live twice? Nothing at all.
0: Uh, other than the so other, other lived... than the song by um, Nancy Sinatra. So, "You Only
1: Live Twice" is the Japanese Bond film. It's Bond in Japan. Is it, um,
0: Isn't there a very problematic section in that film where he like does his face and skin up like a Japanese person?
1: Yes, it's not the most politically correct. No, but, uh, <laughs> it's a good film. Um, just remove that section because, or yeah, ignore yeah, that just section. Get rid of that bit. Um, of the time, uh, yes, but, but yeah, it's, it's a good film. Aside from that, and um, yes, obviously, if you created a game, you'd have to probably exclude Remove that that, that part yeah. because because it, it's completely unnecessary. There's no there's no good reason why that happens. Yeah. Um, so that that's also the the film that introduces Blofeld properly um, as Donald Pleasance, Donald Pleasance with the yeah. cat. And it's also the film where you have the volcano base that I alluded to earlier. Um, Yeah, that would be a fun one to do. It's also the one with the mini helicopter and lots of other fun scenes that would be good in a game form. The film that I always thought would be fantastic as a game um, is Licence to Kill, which is Dalton. Um, So this is the film where you're in South America for a lot of it, I think in the fictional Isthmus city. And he spends a lot of the film there and it's got Sanchez and it's the drug empire. I remember. and Sanchez is a good villain as well. Very good villain. Um, it's just a very good film. And I always felt like that would be a great um, Bond game mm. in the same vein as something like GoldenEye. Obviously you've got the things like GoldenEye and From Russia With Love that have been done that probably would be interesting to see different versions of but um yeah those are the three that i'd pick okay um single word to describe the game blocky is the
0: word i'm gonna use i found it to be quite blocky um okay not in a bad way not in a good way Blobby. blobby that's it that's that's correct um yeah, there wasn't enough Mr. Blobby in this game, uh, which is why I've said Blobby. Um, but no, I, I'd say blocky. Um, not not in a good way or in a bad way. It, just, and it wasn't even that blocky. Like you say, it is a quite a smooth game, but that's the first word that comes to my mind when, um, when you ask me that question. I think so the cutscenes maybe and the character models perhaps.
1: Yeah, I've not even—I've not really even thought of a word that I'm going to use to describe this game. Um, is it blobby? Uh, uh, the, the word I'd probably go for, or something along these lines, is um, unwinnable. Right. which <laughs> to, to, to elaborate on that, this had GoldenEye not existed. Um, I'm not saying this would have taken GoldenEye's place, no. but it's it, it was unwinnable because GoldenEye does exist. GoldenEye had had three years in public consciousness. GoldenEye was, I believe, the third best-selling Nintendo 64 game of all time. Um, everyone knew about GoldenEye. People on PlayStation were desperate to play a GoldenEye alike. Yeah. Um, that split-screen multiplayer that everyone played... Um, So many memories were made in that game. Yeah, Every single... It's not just The World Is Not Enough. Every single Bond game that has come out since, including the new IO Interactive Bond game, will be compared to GoldenEye. Because it was lightning in a bottle. It was a team of inexperienced, unknown developers, given the reins by Nintendo and Rare and they somehow came out with Goldeneye. And when you look into the development of Goldeneye and um the fact that they wanted to include four bonds and yeah, it was just so ambitious. Mm. And they didn't they didn't have any limitations because they didn't know how to set them. No. Um so this this battle is unwinnable for The World Is Not Enough, but for every single Bond game that's ever come since. Yeah. Um how do you top that? You can't. No. You can't. You can't top that moment in time where lightning in a bottle um, was caught. Mm. Um, so that's that's the word I will use. But I'm gonna lead straight into: Does the game deserve to be on the list? And I I'm gonna start actually with this. You start. So I. When I put Bond games on my 15 games, there will be another Bond game. I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Maybe there'll be two in the next lot of 15 that we do. Um, I'm not really putting them there because I believe that they are the best games ever made. I think there's an argument for Goldeneye, of course. Um, I'm putting them there because I love the franchise and I love the opportunity to talk about it. Um, you know this in the same way that you, you probably put down Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. Yeah. Um, it's an opportunity to talk about that series that you love. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I could talk about Bond endlessly and I rewatch the films probably once a year. I think they're great. And this just my, one of my sure vices, thing. I suppose it is. And that's why this game is here. That's why we played this game. Um, do I do I honestly believe it deserves to be um, considered one of the best games of all time? No, I don't. Um, but I will say that as a player, I I find it more enjoyable to play than Goldeneye these days. I just think Golden has got quite a few missions that people forget are tedious. Oh yeah, like the bunker, and they're interspersed with the very good missions that are very enjoyable. What you've got on top of that is that wonderful gameplay mechanism which is juggling um, in Goldeneye, which kind of makes everything okay. And then you run into control and you have the dodgy frame rate while you're trying to protect bloody Natalia. Yes. And you want to tear your face off. Um, so, Goldeneye is funny now because you get the people that can appreciate what it was, but you also get these these people that, that say... Um, Oh, it's just absolutely horrific to play now. It's aged terribly. And I'm not here to say which is right, which is wrong. Um, I know what I think, but that's not really relevant to this conversation. Um, I would prefer to play The World Is Not Enough to GoldenEye. And, a, and I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's a little bit more arcadey than GoldenEye. It's very snappy and pick up and play. And I mean, how long did it take for you to complete? Probably not too long. No. And. It's the nature of the levels, the fact that they did do a good job of translating the film into a game. And one credit that I would give Eurocom as developers, They, uh, before they even revealed that they were working on The World Is Not Enough, they were asked what are they working on at the moment in 1998. They, was, they said, oh, we can't tell you what we're working on. We'll reveal it later on this year, um, but it's to do with the license. And then the following question was, what are you um, playing a lot of at the moment as a as a developer? And they're saying we were playing a lot of GoldenEye. Yep. Um, this was not a developer that was just painting by numbers no. and chucking something out for get the money. Run. They really tried, and I think that's why I like this game. Um, they knew it was unwinnable. But they really tried. Yeah. They put in those um, Bond features like having the hedge maze, like having the volcano base, like having Valentin Zakovsky come at you like a tank. It's a fun, entertaining game. And they obviously it was obviously made with love in the same way that Goldeneye was. But it was the wrong time. Goldeneye had already happened. They were never going to match up to it. No. But uh, it doesn't deserve to be on the list. It will always have a fond place in my heart.
0: For me, I, I agree with you. I, I can understand why you wanted to put this game on there. Is it's, it's a it's a talking point for something that you that you like, isn't it? Um, yeah. But
1: uh, I agree with you. This more to come.
0: Yeah, and and this wouldn't be on my top 100 either. Um, I thought it was alright.
1: Tomorrow Never Dies would be your number three, I believe.
0: Double uh, O Seven Legends would be my number three. Um, Tomorrow Never Dies would be my number one. Uh, followed by Agent Under Fire.
1: I think uh, you're fine. And 007
0: Racing. That's right. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. Um, but no, it's 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 kind of standing on the shoulder of of greatness, yeah. isn't it? With um, following yeah. up Gold. Standing on
1: the shoulders of giants. Yeah,
0: and you know it was never going to kind of reach that level. I don't think. I don't think any game could. Um, it was fine. I, I didn't massively not enjoy it but it it was one of those games that's kind of i I feel very neutral about um which doesn't really say one thing or the other but it it, it was fine um is what i would what i would say i think
1: would you like to reveal to us james bond will be back um but not next time would you like to reveal to us what's coming what's coming up next yes
0: James Bond will be back but uh, not for a little bit next we are going to be playing one of my selections which is the Xbox game from 2008 maybe 2009 2010 I can't remember but uh, it's the first Left 4 Dead game uh, and we're going to see if we can do a little bit of online co-op on it as well because it's the perfect game for that um, yes so yes that should be how long is this game uh, Probably about six, seven hours, maybe, if that.
1: And anything I should know before playing or any, any any words of wisdom that you want to give me? Leave the witch alone. Is that the enemy type? But,
0: well, and, and gen- general advice for life there as well, leave the witch alone. Um, yeah. But no, uh, the, the, the advice for the game is leave the witches alone and don't go near them. Um, okay. And, and turn those flashlights off as well. If you near a witch. Enigmatic. Yes. So yes, that will be next time. Um yes. but yes, as usual, uh you can find us on social media. I'm uh I'm not gonna tell you what we are on social media because you should know by now, because we've got about 120 episodes out, I think. Um but you can also email us at the long short of it podcast at hotmail dot com. And if you've enjoyed this please consider sharing it, rating it, um or or giving it a compliment. that would be mightily appreciated. But yes, that was um, The World Is Not Enough for the N64. We will see you next time for Left 4 Dead. Is there anything else from you for today?
1: Nope. I'm just bloody worn
0: out. Lovely. Well, you go and be worn out, and we'll see you next time for Left 4 Dead. And in the meantime, take care. Cheerio.
1: All right, see you on another.